Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. I'm PFC Anna Grace Cato. And today we have some um, special guests with us. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and then we have a very exciting topic to talk about today. So um, we'll start with you. Good morning. Thank you so much for allowing me to come back. I am Jennifer Wolf. I'm one of the behavioral health specialists with the Army National Guard. I cover uh, Region 4, the Rock Hill area. On the private side, I'm a social worker and a certified trauma treatment specialist with many, many years in the mental health field. Awesome. And I am uh, Senior Master Sergeant David Hutter. I'm the Electronic Warfare Supervisor at the 169th Fighter Wing with the South Carolina Air National Guard. Awesome. It's exciting to have Air Guard in here because it's hard to get you guys to come in and talk to us. So I'm really excited to have you in and talk about this topic. But um, let's get started. So today we're talking about anger management. So can we go a little bit into detail maybe about some signs to look out for or tips and tricks for um, dealing with anger management and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Well, I'm going to talk about anger management from a trauma perspective. Mm -hmm. And many times the normal coping skills that we're given, exercise, breathe, that type of thing, they don't necessarily work with the fallout from exposure to repeated trauma. So anger is definitely one of those consequences of survival and the fallout. As far, and I'll talk some coping skills, Mm -hmm. um, but it's very difficult once you've had that exposure to trauma to not see the world, people as a potential threat. Uh, And anger is one of the reactions. It's a survival mechanism. So Anger in itself is not an unhealthy thing. It is an automatic response to a perceived threat or danger. Um, It's when it's not managed Mm -hmm. that it can spill over, because I'm talking from, especially from a trauma perspective, a very intense reaction, and that can be physical, mental, social, spiritual, the whole nine yards. So, And I will get into some... Um, coping skills as well okay awesome so do I know that we talked a lot about like mental health and PTSD and all that we just did a podcast recently how does that play into effect like is does anger come from or is it stemmed from that or could you just be somebody who's just angry all the time because of certain situations that's a really good question there there's some people that innately are are more, they say that the the brain structure and the basic personality is formed by the age of five, mm-hmm. which if you're more intense and type A and more high maintenance, then usually that's not going to change someone's innate nature, um, no matter what you do. It, it, there's just people that are going to be more innately intense. So anger... Um, can be a conditioned response from, you know, role modeling in childhood, childhood trauma. That's uh, exposure to, that's how you handle conflict. That's what you do is you get mad and you try to control and overpower. So it definitely can be a conditioned response. There's some folks in this world that are just going to be angry people Mm -hmm. uh, innately. And then from a trauma perspective, again, it can be one of those consequences of survival because it's really hard to turn that switch off. Mm -hmm. Um, 
once you've been exposed to, okay, the world is not a potential threat, you might be much more uh, hypersensitive because it, it, trauma, you take it into the body to any kind of perceived threat. And that can be a person, a situation, and there are triggers to that. Um, so okay. that answers, yep. So I kind of want to go into... We're not here to talk about um, electronic warfare. So, wh- what do you play? What role do you play in this topic? Um, originally, I started seeing Miss Wolf shortly after returning from Afghanistan in 2012. Um, I still remember the day that I had what I would call my meltdown, and it became um, apparent to me when continuing to do the um, dignified transfers of uh, soldiers that had fallen in Afghanistan. It just became such a burden hearing that these kids were 18, 19, 20 years old, leaving home or uh, leaving behind a, a wife, a husband, you know, children and all. And I became very angry about what seemed to be senseless to me. And when it finally broke, I just kind of shut down completely. And that became part of a response that when they'd say, okay, we have another dignified transfer, I would shut down emotionally. And I've started to learn real quick what my triggers were. So when I returned to the States and you don't have that continuous um, input it becomes more of a, a difficult situation. Um, my first night home, I was sitting out in my front yard, just sitting there, and the wife came out and said, well, what's wrong? And I asked her, I said, please don't ask me that over the next couple months. I said, it's too quiet. And even though you could hear cars and everything else, I was used to hearing the planes and the helicopters and the explosions and the gunfire. So you're, you're out of your element. And then the anger started manifesting itself in everyday things. Um, I would get extremely angry over my child saying something wrong or my wife saying something wrong or somebody driving. And it was not just a typical response of, oh, you know, and a cuss word or whatever. I became balling up my finch, my fists tight, sweating, ready to fight, angry. And I realized I needed to start discovering my triggers. So I started researching it on my own because we've all heard the people coming out say, well, you can get back to the way you were. You can't. It's impossible. But you have to take who you are now, dealing with anger management, dealing with trauma, and, all, and become the best you can at that person now. Um, I always tell people it's the concept of if you take a hard drive and a computer and wipe it clean, it's never completely clean. There's still residual things on there. So trying to remove the thoughts, the images, the sights, the sounds, uh, and even the smells is impossible. So I started looking very closely at myself, trying to figure out what triggered that anger response. And it became everything from seeing a flag at half-staff. I would immediately flash back to Afghanistan. Certain smells, um, certain sounds would start the response. And I started getting where I could feel it coming on. And then I would start trying to address it. Because prior to that, it would hit, it would take over, and then I was in a full fight mode. And I had to step away from people. So it became more of not just a survival thing for me striking out someone else. Because I never turned physical but I always would turn emotional or verbal on my attacks. And then I started realizing it was more about I had to do this for me, for my survival. Because the more they were happening, because um, I never enjoyed being mad. I still don't enjoy being mad. You know, some people are like, yeah, you know, it doesn't bother me. It bothers me. And I feel bad for it, especially if I say something. Because at that point in my life, you know, even though I've just mentioned now, Sergeant Weaver, if you'd said something that made me mad, I would lash out at you verbally. And it wouldn't be anything nice. And then I'd have to step back and I'd feel bad, but, you know, the damage is done. 
um, I started seeing Miss Wolf because I've known her for a long time and I knew what she specialized in. And she gave me that person I could just go and talk to and vent without any prejudgment or, you know, you must be one of those crazy people. Or as a friend asked me when I first got home, hey, did you catch that PTSD thing going around over there? I looked at him and said, no, I had the shot for it. I was okay. But that was kind of the response you would get at times was people didn't understand it. So here I was able to speak with somebody who fully understood what was going on in my head and trying to vent it out and start learning how to control it. And then you have to start building up, okay, it's coming on. What do I do now? How do I handle this? What can I do to vent that anger in a positive light? Um, the biggest thing I started doing was I um, had gotten a motorcycle for my because I turned 50 while in Afghanistan, came home. They had a big birthday party. My wife had bought me a motorcycle. So I would come home from work, get on the bike, and she's like, where are you going? Riding. When are you going to be home? The minute you hear it, come pulling in the driveway. <laughs> Uh, one night I called her from North Carolina. I don't know how I got there. I don't know where I was because I would get out on the road and just everything would melt away. And I said, I'll be home sometime. i got to figure out where I am first. So just a matter of that, the disconnect, the anger created, I had to find a gap or a, a filler for that gap. And I've been dealing with it now for 10 years. That's awesome. I'm glad that you're here to tell your story because the a lot of times we can sit here with um, somebody like Jennifer and talk about these topics, but to have somebody who's actually been through it, experienced and come out on the other side um, better than where they started, it's great because we're trying to break that stigma of getting the help that you need because getting the help doesn't make you less strong. Like it makes you more strong because you're mentally, physically, emotionally stronger when you can function and you're not lashing out. You're not having flashbacks and all that kind of stuff. So I'm really glad that you decided to come and talk to us because a lot of people don't want to share their story. And hopefully this will shed some light on people that you can get the help you need and still be able to function and move through your military career with no problems. Um, so I kind of want to go into, I guess, maybe like the... Like, how do you know when you have a problem or how do you know when you need to reach out and what those steps are and what that looks like for somebody who is listening and like, oh, you know what, I'm going through that. Maybe I, I need help. Right. Well, thank you for sharing your story. And that's one of the reasons that I asked Sergeant Hutter when we talk about anger management. I didn't want to be just for a bunch of professionals talking about a topic so sensitive. So... As, as far as the body is the teacher, so really recognizing, I always say that when it goes against your moral values or you realize, and you have to own that, you have to, I'm being more explosive or I'm hurting people that I love or I, I as Sergeant Hutter had described earlier when we were talking about putting together this podcast, I go into a sweat, I start shaking, my head hurts. It's that type of exposure is in the body. So recognizing, hey, I don't want to be, it's that, it's that moral compass. I don't want to be um, lashing out at people. I don't want to like when he said, if you had said the wrong thing, he'd have gone at you. He's a kind, very person. I don't think he'd have done that. But I'd be like, you don't want to do that. You know, that's not you. And mm -hmm. that's the key is therapy. 
comes in a lot of different forms. Mm -hmm. And it can be talking through things. I talked to a soldier um, last evening that said, hey, he's having some issues at home. He said, I'm just walking in the woods is my therapy. So we talk, I mean, there's all different, but recognizing what do you need to do? And I always say, and I've said this before, and I can't stress it enough, that you got to go to your basics. If you're not sleeping, if you're not eating, if you're too much of something, you're too little, you're vulnerable. We all are. You're not sleeping, you're going to be much more sensitive and prone to act on that instinct. And I think there's a bum rap where, oh, that's just an angry person, or they got anger issues, or they're labeled with that. You got to understand that it doesn't make them a bad person. It doesn't make them someone that can't manage. It's that survival threat. Mm-hmm. And they're still living that. There's not an off switch in the civilian world. So everything can potentially, and understand, you have to understand what your body's doing and why you're reacting in order to manage. Um, and there's things like deep breathing, yoga. I, I'm, I'm a yoga, especially yin yoga. And I know a lot of people say, seriously, yoga? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, no, yoga. Um, because it teaches the body to rest and digest, and it actually targets the nervous system. Um, walks, where is your therapy? When do you know, okay, I'm there? And it may be, I got to remove myself. And you've talked about that, just removing, I got to take a breather. Um, it can be getting physical, but... I always say, you know, don't hurt yourself, don't hurt somebody else, or don't destroy something you're going to regret tomorrow. So don't tear up your grandmother's this or whatever that you're going to say, I can't believe I did that. Many people, and I want to mention this, they drink and they because of the tension in their body. But the thing with alcohol and drugs is it takes away those inhibitions and that filter. So what you're less likely to do when you're sober in sobriety, man, if you start using and you're, you're probably going to do it. And mm-hmm. if that is, I want to punch that person, you probably will. So you have to really say, how do I care for myself and go to, am I sleeping? Am I eating? Am I in balance? Am I too much? Am I too little? Target that first and then build up. So. Um, for you, Sergeant Hutter, how, what was the timeline like from whenever you actually realized that you know, these anger issues were a big issue, and then you find in that outlet like riding your motorcycle. Um, prior to going to Afghanistan, I was very always happy, always cracking jokes, was always that person that kept a positive attitude. And then when I came home, I realized that there was now a darker version. Um, dreams, I, I still don't sleep well. Um, I average about five hours a night, sometimes just four. Um, the dreams became more vivid. And it was, they were always violent. And I started realizing this isn't me. And then I would lash out at people. Um, I'm just like every other person, you know, prior to that, if something bad happened, yes, I'd get mad. But it became, you know, simple things that would set me off. And unfortunately, during that time, the response from me feeling mad to being mad and saying something was like split second. There was no build up to it. There was no forewarning. When it hit, it hit full speed. And I realized to myself, I said, I need help. Now, at the time, like a lot of people out there listening right now, there was that stigmatism that if you said anything to the, our leadership, your career was done. So I didn't say anything. I turned to, to Miss Wolf, And I talked to her because, like I said, I knew her prior to that, and I knew what she did. And I knew I had to have somebody that would 
not judge me for it because that was always my fear, just like anybody else. Um, doesn't matter what service branch you're in, you know, male, female, whatever. We don't like being judged and being like, hey, look, there's that crazy guy again. So I started realizing, okay, first off, I need help. Secondly, I need to talk to somebody and find out what it was. Then I started developing my own ways of, of coping. Um, it, meditation. Um, I actually was doing yoga in Afghanistan. They actually had a class they set up, which I always thought it was funny that here we're doing yoga to calm down to go back out to combat. And that was a, an actual class that the Army was putting on. So finding whatever makes you happy. For me, it was the motorcycles. It might be, uh, you might be into painting. You might be into poetry. You might be into just writing. You have to find that common ground that keeps you calm and, and happy to do it. And then you kind of put that up against the anger side and say, all right, let him have an internal fight and see who's going to win this one. But for everyone listening, there's no stigmatism to asking for help. You know, for men, we've always been told, hey, you're big, you don't cry, you don't do this and all. And that's what pushed a lot of us into the bad scenario. That's where, you know, you saw the increase in suicides. You saw the increase of domestic violence. You see all this. Because we are told we can't express this stuff. But that's not true. You have to find that because if you can't be happy with yourself, how are you going to make anyone else happy? It doesn't matter what type of relationship you're in. If you're not happy, no one's going to be happy. Um, you can't be a good parent if you're walking around mad all the time. Because let's face it, kids will make you mad. I've got two. Now, they're now both grown, but you know, I still remember in 2012, they were little. Um, I remember an incident in Crackerboro where my son said something, and it was completely harmless, and I lost it. And I just got up, and I walked home. I was five miles from the house. I dropped the keys on the table and left and just completely detached from the um, input that was making me mad. So I learned real quick because coming home, I always realized this isn't you. You need to do something about it. And then I realized, okay, you're not going to go back to what you were, but how can you make what you are now the best you can? And that was trying to compartmentalize the anger issues, the triggers, and put them all in their place. Say, okay, I feel this coming on. And it took a long time. I'm not going to lie. This wasn't an overnight fix. Um, It wasn't like I went and saw Ms. Wolf and like, poof, done, I'm saved. Um, It took years to develop the techniques and the recognition was happening. Um, To this day, and I was just talking with Ms. Wolf prior to this, um, I started having the dreams where I wake up fighting mad. And I mean like sitting bolt upright in bed. My fists are clenched up. My teeth are clenched and I'm sweating and I am just at the epitome of being angry and I don't know why. So now I'm searching again, like, okay, what's happening? And I was, I was talking to her. I remember bits and pieces of dreams, but they weren't um, directly related to what's going on. Like some people are getting mad because what's going on with the U.S., with the economy, with the Ukraine, everything going on. Those are, weren't, were never have been and still are not my triggers. So something is now starting a trigger process in me when I'm asleep that I've got to figure it out. So it's basically like self-monitoring all the time. You know, I know both of you, when you're sitting there and you go, hamstring hurts today, I'm not going to run. You know, I've got a bad headache. I haven't been drinking enough water. There are things that we kind of correlate together. Well, in dealing with anger management, anger issues, it's like, okay, I'm starting to feel this way. I know it's directly tied to that, and I know what's coming on the backside of it, so I need to stop it now. Prior to the coping, I could be sitting here talking to you. A trigger would happen, and I would just start staring at you, and I wouldn't see you. And I've had friends that sit there and they'd start snapping their fingers at me or they knew not to touch me, but they just keep talking to me. And all of a sudden I just kind of blink and they're like, where were you? I don't know. And I would just completely black. It wasn't blacked out. I was physically awake, but it'd be like if I'm sitting here staring at you like I am right now and you weren't there. So it is, it is a process, 
but you can get there. There is a happy side to it. There is a better side to it. You just have to work with it and get with people that can work with you and relate to you on it because this has so many different avenues to it and so many ways of being um, helped from professional counseling to yoga instruction to meditation to music to spiritual. Um, We all have to have, you know, we all remember when we had the four pillars that they preached for a long time on how you'd stay stable. You have to have those in your life. You have to have that control over different aspects and put it all together to help you. Yeah, Yeah, and I I really appreciate Mm -hmm. the fact that there's a safe place, um, regardless of what position you're in, in leadership or what have you, that stigma involved is we're all in the flesh. You know, we all bleed. And um, it's not a, like you said, Chelsea, it's not a weakness, Sergeant Weaver. It's, um, It's an awareness. And it's an owning it, but it should not be adversely used against someone if they're struggling. We all struggle. So that's, I think that's the value of behavioral health and being a counselor is being able to just say, hey, this is that safe place, but you're doing the work. And it's that self, I wanted to mention also, it's that self-talk piece, not labeling yourself, not saying, hey, man, I'm crazy or what's wrong with me. Or, you know, I've heard that a lot. It's, listen, you're having a normal response to having been exposed to an abnormal circumstance. Um, and understanding what that is, you got to understand the, the, the why, and then you'll get to the how. But you have to understand the why first. Mm-hmm. And I think our, our value and our relationship is that I was just able, I mean, I need to, you know, I just, it's normal. And that's why this is happening, and this is physiologically, this is, and there's great value in that, especially when you feel like, hey, man, I'm losing my mind here. So how can you, like, what can people take away from this who are listening and have been experiencing similar things that you've experienced? But, like, they, there's always those people who are in denial. Like, there's not anything wrong with me. Like, this is just who I am. I'm normal. How do we break those barriers for them to be able to realize, okay, I have a problem and I need help. What do I do? Um, Go ahead. Yep. The first thing I would tell any of them is you have to realize you're not alone in this. So often we have said, well, you know, I have this issue. Nobody would understand because no one else is going through it. And I had actually uh, was teaching some resiliency classes out at the base, and I actually talked to, to Miss Wolf about this one. Um, we've all heard, or people may have heard of the, uh, the rock group called Disturbed. Well, they came out with a song that was called Reason to Fight. It's on their Evolution album. And I would implore people to that haven't or that are dealing with this and don't really understand go on youtube and look up the live version of that and what they're going to see is that in this video and they sing the song and it's a very powerful song you listen to the lyrics and they're talking about addictions and suicide and depression and all and at one point in the video they bring the lights up and this is inside of like a coliseum and the lead singer states anybody that has had been dealing with this or knows somebody who's been dealing with it or has a friend some raise your hand and every single hand in that room went up. So, you know, 30,000 plus people raised their hand. So you're not alone. That's the biggest thing to overcome is that, you know, you think, well, I'm the only one that knows how this is. I got to, no, you're not. Everybody's gone through this. Everyone has issues with it. Reach out. 
and you will be surprised. And I can guarantee you if we had came out to a formation out here and asked everybody who's ever dealt with this, raise your hand. You're going to be amazed at that. So that's the biggest thing is that realizing that we, you know, the Army for years preached, you know, one team, one fight. Same with the Air Force. You know, it's like, hey, we are. We are one team, and we have to fight as a team. So when you know your, your fellow soldier or airman or corpsman or whatever it is, is dealing with stuff, reach out to them. You know, I'm sure that you know when your friends something's up because everyone has mannerisms that they do day in and day out. And this is something I told people all the time. Watch and learn your people because they're going to let you know without saying a word if something's up. And don't ever start off with what's wrong. Because if I came to you, Sergeant Weaver, and you were active, and I said, what's wrong? You're going to say, nothing. Mm-hmm. Am I right? But if I walk up to you and go, Sergeant Weaver, how's it going? And I start watching you. And no matter how you answer it, your face and your body motions are going to give away what's really going on. Because if I'd come up any other day and say, Sergeant Weaver, how are you doing today? Doing great. And I come up one day, Sergeant Weaver, how are you doing today? I'm okay. You're not alone. And that's my biggest takeaway for it. Absolutely. And yeah, the core is the relationship. And I think there's, um, there's a denial because there's a fear. Uh, and, and there's hurt and fear behind anger. I, I would say if you went to that same room and you asked the show of hands as to someone who knows someone who's committed suicide or, or, or what have you, there would probably be the same number in the sense of we got to do better. When people are in denial, usually, again, I'm not going to say, well, okay, well, you were nasty to your kid. you, were, you Because then they're going to think, Okay, you got to have that relationship and that safety. So how do you form that? You don't just go, you got a problem with your anger kind of stuff. You're, you're going to walk with somebody. You're going to sit with them. There's a time. You're just going to be, you, yes, you're the professional, but you've got to be that support and that presence that they'll say, hey, I don't have an issue. But then they'll come to you and say the five different things I just got fired from my job or I, I was nasty to my wife or my partner or whatever, and they left. Or my kid runs when I walk into the room. Well, what do you think's going on with that? Like, they're going to talk about it, but they have to feel safe enough to talk about it. And that's all about our job to form that relationship and, and get out of our, where the counselor hat and just be with people. Mm-hmm. Just remember is that, PFC, this goes all the way from PFC to general. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I think too often we attach the stigmatism based off rank. I'm a senior master sergeant. I'm an E8. <laughs> no better than anyone else. So. Perfect. So, I, I mean, we've talked about a lot of great stuff. So, I definitely want to go into the resources um, that are available. Um, are, is it kind of similar to just mental health in overall, or are there specific resources out there for anger management? Well, yes, definitely there are, again, there's behavioral health, uh, and, and we are what I call mobile presence counselors. Well, we will go out and meet with people and process kind of what's going on. There's support groups out there. Um, there. There are many local providers that specialize in anger management issues. There's Sadly, there's a limited amount, I think, of private providers that are effective with military population because it's different. Mm -hmm. You have to understand the culture. Uh, And so, but they're there. 
so they can call me um, and we see what's going on. We have the 1-800-681-2558. The thing about a 1-800 number is you're going to get much better results with the name and a voice. Mm -hmm. So they can call me directly, 394-2076, area code 803. A lot of times when somebody's referred to me, um, I don't, I, I just don't make a practice. And this is how I practice on the private side of call this number. I try to, what, a lot of times that stigma and that fear, if you can hear a voice and say, oh, well, okay, they're human. They're not one of those weird mental health people. Um, just to reach out, you know, and, and to treat, I always say how, if this was my son, or this, how would I want him treated? And then I try to s- follow suit with that. So, again, you're not alone. And what y'all can do, being within the military, you are the, you are the key. If somebody's struggling, don't just say, just call behavioral health. Be with people and know them and know, have those relationships because you're the first that they're going to come to mm-hmm. and then go from there. And to kind of ride the coattail of that, um, I was a first sergeant for six years. And a first sergeant is always a good stopping point because we always had the resources. We always had books saying with all the numbers and all. And another habit I got into, and you'll always hear people like uh, Ms. Wolf was saying about, well, go to behavioral health. No, don't. Have somebody take you. And if you're coming to an, uh, an airman or a soldier and going, you need to see behavioral health, well, then you need to take that person there. Because how many people are going to, on their own, go down there and see them? But if I came to you and said, Sergeant Weaver, um, let's go talk to Behavioral Health. They might be able to help us with this. And I walk you down there. Now two things have happened. You know, we all know the term of battle buddy. There we are. So I'm with you, and I'll, you know, I'm letting you know also that I care that enough to walk you down there. And I'll sit with you. And as a first sergeant, I did that all the time. And I would take people in there and inform them, if you like, I can stay. Or if you want, I'll leave. And they would, most times, nine times out of ten, they would want me to stay and hear what all was going on just because they had that support. Mm-hmm. So as uh, Ms. Wolf was stating, you know, being in the military, we're different than the civilian world. You know, they preach all through basic training. They, um, and I was prior Army also. Uh, they taught us all through basic training, through AIT, through um, tech school for the Air Force, you know, battle buddies. You know, this is your wingman. Keep, stay together. Always work together. Once you leave those, we have a tendency to forget that. So even if we're a guardsman, which I'm full-time out at McIntyre, or if you're a weekender, have a battle buddy, have an airman. You know, learn the people in your shop, no matter what it is. And like I said, you'll be able to start recognizing something's going on. Then you go up and you be that first line of help because they may not want to call that 800 number. They may be scared to or the stigmatism about, oh, I'm going to call one of those crazy people docs. No, they're, they're there to help you. And your first sergeant has a list, and I guarantee they have a list of help. But the first step in all that is realize to ask for help. Because if you don't ask, and if no one's going to start prodding you for it, the consequences can be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and all you got to do is look at the numbers and realize it has been a bad scenario for the last five to ten years. So it's that first step, and reach out and show that you care. I'm glad that you said that because we've mentioned it multiple times. I think it was even the last episode that you were on that it's key to be like active duty is a different world because the guard, you're like in this family and it doesn't matter what your rank is or what unit you're in. Like you have special bonds with people and I know active duty, they have like the separation and stuff. But for us, 
having those bonds, whether it's your team leader, squad leader, your wingman, whoever, that makes going through these situations so much easier because somebody feels like you said they're not alone. They have somebody that they can confide in and won't judge them or um, think they're crazy or anything like that. And there are people out there who want to help. I mean, I can count on one hand people that I've remembered in whether it was basic training or your AIT, my past units, like by name, I know people who were always there for me and that I could still count on regardless of how many years go by and that I still go to to this day for advice or just to talk to. But I like also what you said with you taking them to where they need to go. That shows also that you care and you're invested and it's not just a check off the box, oh, so-and-so's having a bad day. I asked them how they're doing. I referred them, but nothing really comes out of it. But to take that extra step, that means so much to some people. And sometimes that can make the difference between getting the help you need and not and making a situation better. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I'm really grateful that you told your story because hopefully this will open up the the doors for a lot of people who have been struggling however long with not knowing where to go or how to do it or feeling safe. Like hopefully now they can feel safe that they can get the help that they need. Um, but before we close out, is there anything else that anybody wanted to to add? I just wanted to add also that behavioral health, sometimes the source of the anger or the, the triggers can be family, can be relationships. So with, of course, permission, we do, at, I do a lot of work and behavioral health does a lot with families or, you know, sometimes it's your kid that you need to learn how to react differently to or a partner or a wife, husband, what have you that, man, you don't know that's a trigger, but every time you do that, that sends that person from zero to 100 quick. And, and that communication piece mm-hmm. is so important. So they're not just labeled, well, you're just being a jerk. you got to understand what's going on. So we, that's part of what we do is we, who are they connected to? Where's the relationship? Where's the source of the issue? And they got to be involved too. Mm-hmm. So. And the, uh, the bigger thing to also remember when you're dealing with your friends or coworkers Keep it between the two of you. Mm-hmm. What has happened too often is, you know, I take Sergeant Weaver down there and I come back, yeah, I had to take her to the crazy docs, you know her. And that just negated everything we went through. Mm-hmm. So there has to be that level of trust between the people you're dealing with. Like you said, you know, you still have people you'll call to this day. I still have people call me to this day, and they still call me shirt, first sergeant, even though I haven't been a first sergeant since 2018, 2019 but they still feel comfortable coming to me for that. So they know that they had that secure source of help mm-hmm. and always be that secure source for help. And it doesn't matter, as I was mentioning a while ago, it doesn't matter if you're a private, if you're an airman, or if you're a general. We all have trouble. We all have issues. We all need help. Reach out and get it. It's, I promise you from personal experience, it's so much more fun to be on the good side of life again and only having little bouts here now instead of it being a day after day after day thing. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate both of y'all coming in and hopefully we can get some more um, service members to come and tell their story and hopefully continue to break down those walls. Um, But if you like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode.